Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We have Daniel to carry with us. Daniel is a local pastor for many years, but specifically these days a counselor and uh, helping people, serving people through through counseling services. Uh, been involved in, in local churches here in Montreal, mainly in French-speaking churches, right, Daniel? But um, he was here two years ago, uh, I believe, around the same time. I don't know if this was planned or not, just happened, but around the same time, and it was so awesome to have him with us and to speak into our church community and teach. Uh, so, Daniel, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us today. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. Thanks, Steve. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere these days, right? <laughs> After I mean, 18 months being locked up in our homes, it's good to be anywhere. Um, this morning, I want to address uh, a message uh, entitled Facing Our Fears. Uh, we live in a world that's very unstable, and we've seen that for the last two years, how the world can become unstable and, and can even become scary at times. But we also live in a time where so many are struggling, and I see it on a daily basis. So many are struggling with anxiety, are struggling with fear, are struggling with panic attacks, are struggling to deal with all the uncertainties of this world. There is still this thought in some Christian circles that if I'm a Christian, I won't have any problem. I'll always prosper. I'll always be healthy. I'll have no storms because I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's what you believe, um, you've been in denial. Um, it, it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that, that as a Christian, all of a sudden we're out of all the storms or all the tr struggles that life can throw at us. So the real issue is, how do I deal with all the storms in my life, the storms that I can face, and the fear that they may produce, the anxiety they may produce. How do I deal with that? And we have a great teaching in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4, verse 35 and 41, and this is the text. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And then he, he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, I just pray that you would come and make your word, your word real to us this morning. Not just in our intellect, but in our spirit, in our soul. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. One of the first things we need to realize is storms are part of life. In, in, in verse 37, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. Even if I'm a Christian, 
there will be storms in life that will produce fear. Now you see, fear is an emotional capacity. It's an emotional response when I feel threatened, when there's a threat. My response, my emotion will be to have fear. And that emotional capacity is a gift from God. God gave us that capacity. God gave us that gift. Fear can be good. It is to protect you from danger and threats. You want your children to feel fear. Because when they're crossing the street, you want them to have fear. So that they will look both ways before they cross the street. Fear is good. It's not bad. It is good. It, it, the, the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear is good. It can be good, but it can invade our hearts and our lives to the point of losing faith and even sometimes the desire to live because it just invades us. It just fills us. This is what is taking place in the lives of the disciple here. On the Sea of Galilee, a storm can rise up very quickly. And in this particular case, it is so strong that the Bible says the waves are crashing into the boat and the boat is sinking. This is not just wavy thing here. The waves are crashing into the boat. And it says the disciples were scared. Now you have to remember who these guys are. Most of them grew up and worked as fishermen. In other words, they used to be in a boat. So this is not the first storm these guys have ever seen in their lives. But this one is scary because the waves is so strong, it's crashing into the boat. And we may be asking ourselves, what are they doing there? <laughs> what, what are you doing? How come you're in the middle of the ocean, the, the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of a storm? What are you doing there? They are there because they are obeying what Jesus told them to do. They are in the middle of a storm because they said to Jesus, we will obey your word. In other words, even if I'm obeying God's will, I can find myself in the middle of a storm. Storms are not automatically the result of sin and disobedience. Now, of course, if you sin and disobey, you will have storms. But the contrary is not true. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean you've been disobeying God. It doesn't mean that there's sin in your life. You might be obeying exactly what Jesus has asked you to do. So sometimes it's good to remember that for ourselves. But sometimes it's good to remember that for others. That might be going through a storm. And we look at them and say, mm, 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 mm. It's got to be something. I will pray. But there's got to be something. They are obeying God's will. And not only are they obeying God's will, but Jesus is right there with them. In other words, he's in their lives. He's right there with them. And yet, here they are in the middle of a storm. You ever felt that way? You believe in Jesus? He's in your life? 
You're obeying his word as best you can. You're obeying his will. You're obeying his command. And yet you find yourself in the middle of a storm that's so strong that you're afraid that you won't make it through. Your heart is sinking. Your hope is sinking. And you're filled with confusion and fear. And you wonder, Lord, where are you? Where are you in my life? Where are you? Because storms can make me think that Jesus is absent. That Jesus is not there. Listen to verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? In the middle of the storm, Jesus is right there. But he's asleep. He's sleeping. Now I've heard teaching about this and say, You see, when you're in the middle of the storm, you can have such peace that you'll be able to sleep through it. Well, I want to remind you that it's not the disciples that are sleeping. It's Jesus that's sleeping. They're freaking out. <laughs> so Jesus is right there, but he's sleeping. And sometimes we can have the same feeling. I know we don't say it publicly. You never hear somebody testify that. I know Jesus is in my life, but he's mu he must be sleeping. He's sound asleep. Sometimes we look at the storm that I'm in, that the storms that we can find ourselves in our lives, in our work, in our circumstances, in our family, in our children's lives, in our parents' lives, and people that we care for, the people we love around us, and we're in the middle of a storm. It can be our own storm with our health. And we're dealing with this storm and say, well, we, I, Jesus, you're in my life. But you must be asleep. Look at the storm. And when I read the Psalms, I see these thoughts repeatedly. Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? God is absent. Look at, the, look at the situation that I'm in. Look at my storm. But here's the key. Here's the key to this whole uh, event. The key is, teacher, when the disciples look at Jesus and they wake him, and they say, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And that's the key. That's the key. Because that's the greatest source of fear. When I think I have been abandoned by God, that God has forgotten about me, that God has abandoned me, that God has just say, oh, I can't deal with this one anymore. <laughs> he, he, he or she doesn't learn, keeps repeating the same thing, same mistake. Uh, I've given up. And that's the biggest source of fear, that he doesn't care what happens to me in my life. That I'm all alone. Viktor Frankl was a great psychiatrist. He was a disciple of Freud. And he split up with Freud because Freud did not include the spiritual aspect of human beings. And Frankl, who had survived uh, concentration camps and all this, uh, addresses this in, in, in The Search for Meaning. That's his book, and it's a kind of a biography. And he says, there's, there's a spiritual need for human beings. And he says, human beings are profoundly depressed. They have an existential depression. When they start to realize that they were born alone and they will die alone. And he says, the only hope is to realize that we are not alone. There is a God. 
there is a God. You see, the greatest source of fear is when I think I'm all alone. But it's the biggest lie there is. Because storms do not stop his caring for us. It doesn't stop it. And that's the faith that Jesus refers to when he says to the disciple, how is it you have no faith? Not a faith to stop a storm. Too many times I hear people say, yeah, they didn't have the faith that Jesus could stop a storm. How could they have that kind of faith when they've never seen it before? Say, Jesus, you're not really being fair on these poor guys. You know, where's your faith? Well, wait a minute. It's not like you've gone around and calmed the storm, uh, storms and sun come back out, move the clouds. And, you know, it's not like you've been doing this. So when Jesus is saying, where is your faith? It's the faith that he cares. See, they say, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus says, where's your faith? Have I not showed you that I care for you? That's the faith. The faith that he will never leave us. He will never abandon us. The faith that he cares for me, the care that, that he cares for them, the faith that we need in our storms. The faith in his love for us. That I know you love me. The faith in his faithfulness. That he will never abandon me. He will never give up on me. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. Now sometimes I don't recognize his presence. Sometimes I forget about his presence. But that doesn't mean he's not there. He is there. Because a presence calms all fears. Let me repeat that. It is a presence that will calm our fears. If you have small children, or you've had small children, we've all gone through this as parents. Three, four years old. Middle of the night, they wake up screaming, crying. And so we rush into the bedroom, say, what's going on? There's a monster in my room. I said, well, you know, turn on the lights and say, no, you see, there's no monster. There's no monster. He's under my bed. And most parents have done, you know, we get on our knees, we pull up the blanket and see, no, there's no, there's no monster there. Okay, there's a few uh, balls of dust and a little bit of mess there, but uh, there's no monster there. Of course not, Daddy. He knows you're here. He's in the closet. And so what do we do next? We go to the closet. We open the door of the closet. And you see, he's not there. There's no monster there. There's nothing there. And say, of course not, Daddy. He's behind the closet. And Disney thinks, oh, yeah, I like this, Monster Inc. (laughs) Where the little girl goes through her closet, opens a secret door, and gets into where all the monsters are. You see, if you try to reason fear with a child, you're going to be there all night. Because there's always going to, children are so creative, they're always going to come up with another question. And we're going to try, you cannot rationalize your, you cannot reason with your fear. This is what you do with the child. If the child is really scared, you lie down next to the child and say, it's okay, daddy's here. And within a few seconds, the child will go back to sleep. Why? Because your presence will calm their fear. It is a present. So when you're feeling with fear, don't try to reason it. 
you need a presence. A couple of years ago, my little, uh, I have three grandsons. They all live in Edmonton. Um, and the oldest one at the time was two and a half. And so we're playing in the backyard. And all of a sudden, we didn't realize it, but the neighbor came out and started his lawnmower. You know, right next to the fence, and he was just playing right next to it. It scared him so bad. He just came running in, and he ran into my arms. And I could feel him. He was shaking. It scared him. I said, it's okay. It's okay. His name is Theo. I said, it's okay, Theo. Grandpa's here. Grandpa's going to protect you. And he's just looking at me. He said, you're going to protect me, Grandpa? I said, yeah. Grandpa's going to protect you. I said, you feel my arms? And I squeezed them a little bit. I said, they're strong, eh? Yeah. I'm going to protect you. You're going to protect me, Grandpa? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the lawnmower stopped. And I thought, wow. (laughs) This kid is going to think my grandpa is something else. (laughs) And so as soon as the noise stopped, out he goes, starts to play again. What happened is that the neighbor was just emptying the bag. He wasn't done. So a couple minutes later, he starts the thing again. My little guy comes beating around and right back in my arms. I said, it's okay, Theo. Grandpa's going to protect you. And all of a sudden, I just felt, and the noise is going on, and I just felt him move out. And he went back to play, even with the noise. Why? Because Grandpa was there. See, it wasn't a reasoning, it was a presence. I know I can run into the arms of someone in my fear. There's someone there to protect me. That's how we calm our fears. It is a presence. Perfect love casts out fear, says 1 John 4, verse 8. Perfect love will cast out fear. And so to face my fears, what I need to do is to have my faith in his presence. That he is there with me. That he's there and his presence is there. Because storms are never greater than his power. I don't care what storm you're going through. But no storms are greater than his power. Verse 39 says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. And you see, he does that. He gets up, calms the storm, not because of their faith. They still don't have the faith when he does that. He intervenes based on his grace, based on his love. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's grace. That's the grace. The love that Jesus is there for us. He intervened based on his love. We cannot deserve his interventions by our faith. Let me repeat this. We don't deserve his intervention by our faith because then it's merited. And that becomes the faith in the faith. I have faith in faith that if faith if is faith, uh, things will happen. But my faith is in my faith and not in my God. Have I lost you? Okay, because I'm losing myself here. 
All right. Do you understand? It's not, okay, if I have enough faith, then Jesus will have to do it. Then it's merited. You're no longer under grace. You're under work. You're under the law. But grace says he intervenes when I don't deserve it. That's his love. We cannot deserve his intervention. Remember when you got saved? Do you remember those days? I remember those days. I was 22 years old. And uh, I got saved in my apartment. I was all by myself. I had a, a, somebody that was sharing her faith with me. And that's how I got saved. I, she was testifying about her faith. And, and, and it was just like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. This is, this, I want what she has, right? And so I, I'm sitting in my, in my apartment. I'm all by myself. I, she, she had helped me buy a Bible. She says, you need to get into the Bible. I read the Bible. I started James 1. James chapter 1. Okay. You can read it when you get home and say, how can somebody get saved through James chapter 1? <laughs> if it had been, the, you know, John chapter 3, it would have made sense. James chapter 1, halfway through, I go on my knees and I said, if you exist, do something. Because my life is a mess and I don't see the point in living anymore. So if you exist, do something. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I didn't say amen. I didn't say in the name of Jesus. I didn't. And then I started to feel conviction. I said, I'm sorry for those things that I've done. And I'm sorry for those things that I should have done, but I didn't do them. And it was just like the Spirit was just leading me along. I know I was saved. At that point, if you exist, that's the size of my faith at that point. It was if you exist. See, it's not about our faith. It's about our God. Now, at the end of the story, I did marry that girl, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Moving on. All right. See, it's by grace that we're saved. It is by grace that we are saved. And it's by grace that we stay saved. I didn't hear any amen this time. All right. Okay. If you're saved today, it's by faith. It's by grace. It's not by your works. It's not because you're sitting in church this morning, so now I'm saved. Nope. It's by grace. It's grace. I still believe that my God is a great God. I still believe that Jesus will intervene in our storms today. That he can still the storms in our lives. I still believe that he's the almighty, the creator. He's the Lord of Lord, the king of kings. There is nothing impossible for my God. And let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are no storms that are greater than his love. But above all, I know that he cares for me. Because I can always look back to the cross. If I need a proof that he cares for me, I just need to go back to the cross. See, the disciples could not do that. But we can. We can look back at the cross and say, no, I know he cares for me. I know that. I know he cares for me. And he will never leave me. His presence will calm my fears. And the eternal life is mine. You know, he told the disciple, don't rejoice that the demons are submitted to you and all these things. Rejoice that your name is in the book of life, is written in the book of life. 
He will never leave me. He will never leave you. He will give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Are you struggling with fear and anxiety today? Did you come here anxious? Maybe you're in the middle of a storm. And you're worried. You know that 90% of the things that you worry will not happen? 90%. Are, are, are there anyone here? I wanted to say hi to people online. I forgot to say sorry. Hi. Maybe you're online. Or maybe you're here. Anybody here can worry? You're pretty good at worrying. Everybody's putting their hands down. I'm not going to confess for this kind of stuff. What is this guy? Yeah. You can worry? Yeah. I tell you, Hollywood's got nothing compared to what I can invent in crisis in my head at 3 in the morning. Pah! The scenarios that I find, the strategies that I'm trying to see at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm worrying. And you know what? I've never heard this testimony. After five hours of worrying, it was 4.30 in the morning. When all of a sudden, I got it and I was at peace. No, because worrying doesn't work. Because you're trying to find solutions to a problem that's not there. In other words, if you're having a problem with your boss, at four in the morning, guess what? Your boss is not there. He's at home sleeping. So you're worrying, but it doesn't change anything. Here's what I think. If you're good at worrying, you have a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's called the gift of faith. It's just your focus that's a little off. Because you're so focused on the bad that could happen, you have the faith in what terrible things are going to happen. And so it's faith, but it's the wrong. Just switch it. Have the same thinking, but what can God do in my circumstance? How can God intervene in this situation? How will God glorify his name through this situation? And that's how we refocus our faith. Not our faith in the disaster that we think might happen, that 90% of the time doesn't happen. But we focus it on what can God do and how can God get glorified through this. Maybe you're confused. You're obeying God. Jesus is in your life. And yet you find yourself in a storm. You're in stormy waters. Your health, maybe your family, your children, your marriage, your work, your lack of marriage. I can't find anybody. And you're in the middle of a storm and it's stormy weather for you. Trust that he cares for you today. Look at the cross and be assured he will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence will calm your fears. Because no matter what, he's there. No matter what, he's there. I'm just going to ask the musicians to come and join me at this time. Is Jesus in your boat? Let me start there. Maybe on, online. Is Jesus in your boat? Have you invited Jesus to come into your boat? Have you invited Jesus to come into your life? And you need to do that. Say, so Jesus, if you exist, start there. If you exist, 
would you do something in my life? Would you, would you come into my life? The scripture says, here I am, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you open, I'll come in and we'll dine together. See, Jesus is he's polite. And so he waits for you to open the door. He waits for you to be invited into your boat. So if you haven't done that, I, I want to encourage you to do that. Say, Jesus, come. Where you're at, just come. But maybe he is in your boat and in your life. Then realize that you are safe in his hands this morning. And when he intervenes, no matter how or when, trust that you will be amazed by him. You may not know how, and I'm, I don't know how sometimes God will intervene, but I know he will. You will have a greater revelation of who Jesus is after the storm. Just like the disciples were at the end. And they said in verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You see the disciples now have a new revelation of who Jesus is. They've been with him. But now they're amazed. And they say, whoa. We've got a new revelation of who he is. Storms will produce a greater revelation of who Jesus is. His power and his might. He will reveal. But you remember the beginning of the story? I often missed that part. I'd forgotten about it. But the story starts, and there were other little boats. Remember, there wasn't just one boat. There was all kinds of little boats there. And guess what? When the storm stopped... (laughs) It wasn't just the boat with the disciples. Where they, they, they was calm and they're still crashing all over the place. Oh, no. Everybody benefited from the calm that Jesus brought to the disciple. I want to suggest to you that as God intervenes in your storms, there are people around you that will be affected and impacted by that. It's not just about you. There's other people around. Three years ago, uh, it was May, and uh, I have a man from the church who calls me. He says, could I see you? And I go to his house, and uh, he says to me, I have something to ask you. It's okay. And I knew that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And so I, I go there, and he says, well, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to do my funeral. <laughs> oh? Because he says, you see, it's May, and I'm not going to see September. I'll be dead before September, you know. And so I said, whoa, 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 whoa. we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray. We're going to anoint you. We're going to, he said, yeah, 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 do all that. Do all that. That's good. <laughs> uh, he wasn't the most, the, the deepest of Christian. He had been saved about 15 years. He was a retired RCMP officer. So, uh, and so he, he says, yeah, 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 yeah. But he says, I want you to pray for this. He says, I was sitting by my pool. And he says, I know I have cancer. I've seen my dad die from it. It's the same cancer. And I'm not in denial because I can tell you exactly where the cancer is because I can tell you where the pain is in my body. So I'm not in denial. And I'm putting all my stuff in order so that my wife and my son doesn't have to deal with all the paperwork. And he says, I was sitting by my pool. 
And he said, all of a sudden, there was a peace that came. And he says, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. He says, I know what it is now. I, f- I feel it. I don't know why. I don't know how to explain it to you. But I'm fully at peace. And I want you to share that at my funeral. Would you please tell everybody that's going to be there that as, as this peace that has calmed the storm in my life can calm the storms in their lives. Would you just tell them that's the source? I said, okay, I'll do that. I guess he didn't trust me. Because he did a video. And in the video, he says, hi. If you're watching this right now, that means that you're at my funeral. I've gone to be with Jesus. And I just want to let you know that the peace that you saw in me till the end, it was God. I knew that I was at peace. And I invite you for my family members, follow the same path. Take that path of Jesus for that peace. So it was pretty intense for a funeral. But the last time I saw him, just as I was leaving him, he just looked at me. And he had, he, you know how sometimes people have a, they have a way to smile at you, right? I mean, he was a cop, so, I mean, he's got a way, of, you know, he's smiling at me, you know, okay. And he looked at me, he says, you know, I'm only going to get there before you. So he says, when you come, I'll open the door for you. He was one of our rushers. He says, I'll open the door for you. But he says, I'm only going to get there before you peace, the calm of our storms. His presence can calm our fears and our storms. I want to invite you to bow your heads right now, just for a few minutes. And uh, I I really enjoy this church. I enjoy your sensitivity to God's presence, to welcome his presence. But as we're sitting here, maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe there's fear, there's anxiety. Maybe, also, maybe even sometimes your, your sleep is troubled. Can't sleep, you're worried. You don't know how it's all going to end. And it's creating fear in you. Maybe even doubt. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? And if that's the case, I, I really would like to pray for you this morning. So if, if that's you this morning, Would you just stand where you are? Just stand where you are. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going through this storm. There's fear there. There's there's uncertainties. And I would like you to pray for me. So would you just, where you are, just stand. Hold this place. It's okay. It doesn't matter what the storm is. I'm in a storm. I'm in a storm. Now, here's something I didn't tell you. I'm standing this morning. Because I'm in the middle of a storm. And I said, Jesus, you want me to preach this? He says, yeah, you need it. (laughs) But I'm in a storm. You're in a storm this morning. Just stand. Stand where you are. It's okay. It's human. We have fears. We're worried. We don't know how it's going to end. But I know he's faithful 
and he will never forsake me. I know that. So, Father, I pray for all of us that are standing this morning. You know our storm. You know our fear. You know how worried we are. You can see us in the middle of the night like me last night. In the middle of the night, you could see me awake, worried. Thank you that you're in our boat. And I pray that you would stand and calm the storms in our lives like you've done. But be above all this, I pray that you would bring your peace that surpasses all understanding. That we know, that we know, that we know that you are with us and you will not abandon us. You will not leave us. You know what is happening right now in our lives. You're not asleep. You're not asleep. We may not see you working with our eyes, but that doesn't mean you're not working. And so I pray for your intervention, but I pray that you would capture our hearts with your presence and your love and your grace. And that you would give us strength through that storm that we're facing. And may others around us be impacted by your intervention in our lives. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. I want you to all stand as we're going to go into worship. Um, I understand there's someone that will be available to come at the front if you need prayer. There will be somebody here to pray for you. And can we just go back to this? And, and, and it was just the, 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 it was a perfect match for the message. That as we go in the, before the ocean, his faithfulness is there. Amen. God bless you. We affirm with the early church who called us to fix our eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. God reveals himself to us in Christ. God, we affirm um, the words of the first disciples when they asked whom, to whom shall we go? And they looked to Christ and declared, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy Son of God. So, God, we end our gathering today calling upon the name of Jesus. And we know that we find our being in you, Father, in you, Son, in you, Holy Spirit. May we we move into this rest of this day and this week standing solid, on this declaration. And thank you for the faithfulness of your son, Jesus. We move into this week, God, standing on these truths. God, and even when our obedience would lead to stormy waters, may we trust you regardless of the circumstance, the source, the purpose, God, we trust you. And God, we so pray, we so pray that in the middle 
of our trust in you, God, that we could be a witness to those around us that are so longing for hope, that are so longing for transformation. Oh God, we don't offer something that we've created or manufactured or trained for. God, we offer the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. So God, may the ripple effect of our trust in you be goodness and good news to the people around us this week and this season. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.